those three players, a backup catcher, Rowdy Tellez, and Telly Guerrero, the only guys on the 40-man roster who have not played in the big so far. Hitter that uh, I think he's capable of, of becoming, uh, I was going to say down the road, but probably I should say very, <laughs> very soon. <laughs> Do they watch much baseball, the uh, Baseball Central crew? Because that was Kevin Barker and Jeff Blair. And welcome to episode number 101 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we have no strong feelings about Canadian baseball one way or the other. Lies. I'm... Your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as ever, by uh, my co-host, Joshua Housem. Josh, how you doing? Surrounded by liars. <laughs> it's, can one person surround another? That's the philosophical question we will be asking this evening. Sounds uh, like a childhood insult. Oh, my goodness. We will discuss the rotation, because it is a bloody mess and needs to be discussed. And then the Blue Jays have made lots and lots of... Um, uh, transactions and and there are new players coming on board this team and one of them uh, is named Gio Urshela and we're going to talk about him probably more than any of the other specific players there's good news Tay Oscar and Mele uh, guys who we didn't know how they were going to hit they're still hitting it's the middle of May uh, the bad news uh, Kendrick Morales not doing that and that's his only job uh, Russell Martin is making the transition to super utility player probably because he's also not hitting um, and to take all that pain away, we have an interview with Ben Badler, who has been watching Vlad Guerrero Jr. a lot this year, and we're going to ask him a lot of questions about him and his New Hampshire teammates. And then we have uh, a gold star for a troll, which you wouldn't think we were going to give out a gold star, but we'll explain. We have your questions. We have a do-over for the Baseball Central crew, and um, maybe a couple little things here and there at the end before we get to the end of it. But first... The Blue Jays. They keep salvaging like one game out of a series. I feel I feel like that's not going to cut it going forward. No, no, probably not. <laughs> Somehow they are still over 500, though. They banked a lot in those first two weeks of the season, didn't they? Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're really showing their value right now. <laughs> going back to the bank for all those wins because mm, uh, we're not, no, not racking them up. So they managed... One win against Boston. Um, one against Seattle. Yeah, and now one in a two-gamer against the Mets. Correct. I'm thrilled. Just thrilled. Uh, the word salvage comes up a lot with the Blue Jays. And most of this problem, though, is, I, I think, squarely pinned on a starting rotation that cannot seem to get through five without giving up oh, four runs most nights. Yeah, uh, it, it has been... Well, I mean, the Jays entered play today. Obviously, J-Hap, who we're going to get to, did a lot to help us. But they entered today with the second-worst CRA in the American League as a starting rotation, and that's just not going to cut it. You know, Jaime Garcia keeps getting knocked around. He hasn't made it out of the fourth inning in either of his last few starts, or, or at least his last two, maybe his last three. But, uh, you know, he's just been not good, and he's throwing too many balls up in the zone, and they're getting hit over the fence. And... You know, Marcus Stroman, which we didn't necessarily see coming, is hurt. <laughs> um, yeah, we didn't we didn't see it coming. But when it happened, were you surprised in the least? No, I remember laughing. Uh, uh, the two of us <laughs> on this podcast, and like someone saying, "The doctors told us it won't happen again." Yeah. What? Really? <laughs> Shoulder inflammation won't happen again? Ever? It's good. It's good to go. <laughs> <laughs> Till May. <laughs> um, won't ever happen again this month we forgot the addendum or something <laughs> I don't know so yeah predictably Marcus Stroman uh, did end up back on the disabled list it's the 10 day DL I don't, they're not predicting he comes back right in 10 days are they? Uh, no that's not the likely occurrence so uh, that has the unfortunate result of moving Joe Biagini at the moment into that 5th slot in the rotation and how's Joe Biagini done there? Josh, uh, <laughs> can I can I be nice and say as expected? Yeah, we'll take that. Is um, that nice when he's been that bad? I'm not sure, actually. 
well, I, because Joe Biagini has had maybe two very good starts, good to very good starts in his entire starting career in the majors, and they've, I think, all been against the Baltimore Orioles for some reason, uh, I would say as expected is a fair assessment. Yeah, he's not he's not a starter. I, I, I thought he had a really good chance to become one. He had the pitch mix, but he doesn't have the command, and his stuff took a huge step back as he moved to the rotation. So I, I think that... You know, I, at the beginning of the season, I said the better role for him was to be in the minors as the as the depth starter. I don't really believe that anymore. And and th- to be fair, if you look at his numbers in AAA, they are not world beating either. So this isn't not really something you needed to bring him up to the majors to prove that he was going to struggle with it. He was going to struggle. He was already struggling with it against AAA competition. Yeah. So that leaves Marco Estrada, your boy, who... <laughs> well, he had one good start. <laughs> <laughs> he mixed a good one in there. Yeah, that was before the last podcast. Uh, now he's not getting the job done. It's I, I don't know what it is, honestly. I mean, he's just throwing too many meatballs. His changeup specifically, he's just not being able to put it down in the spots where he's used to throwing it. And... You know, when he doesn't have his changeup, he's, you know, he's just a guy with an 88-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, and then on the flip side, Jay Happ. Now, this start was a fantastic start. I'm not going to take anything away from him. He, uh, he not only did he throw seven innings, not walk anybody, strike out, was it nine or ten? Ten. Ten, um, which is fantastic. But prior to this start, Jay Happ, our quote-unquote ace, had the 22nd worst ERA of qualified starters in baseball. Yeah, but that was just because he had one horrible disaster start. I mean, that, that's going to happen when you're dealing with the small sample sizes of early May. He's been quite good. And actually, Estrada wasn't that bad. He got four runs through six against Boston. That's not horrible. Yeah, but it's it's not... Somebody it's just needs not as to be... bad as I thought it was. Okay, <laughs> it's still good. Somebody needs to be putting up zeros other than Jay Happ. Um, and Aaron Sanchez is kind of the question mark in there that, um, you know, he he has not been. Has he has he been horrible on any given night? I, I don't think so. I don't think he's had very many Marcus Stroman esque starts. Um, but <laughs> he hasn't been great either, right? How many how many Jays pitchers did you say today? You pulled that up. Uh, had thrown a pitch in the seventh inning this year. Uh, it had happened before today six times or five times today was the sixth it's the middle of may as i just mentioned or those Uh, had gotten an out i don't know if there were any guys who went into the seventh and gave up hits before an out but yeah middle of may and it was their sixth start with an out in the seventh inning yeah which again they're holding their head above water we said they're about 500 but the bullpen cannot take this kind of punishment just cannot no no it can't so yeah jay hap has been frankly very very good except for that one just horrible start and again that does happen seattle just tuned him up but uh someone else has to step up yeah yeah somebody has actually three or two or three of them have to step up Ah, that's it and again i know these guys a lot of them have a track record so i'm not saying all is lost but it really needs to happen you know things need to get better right now um full stop so (laughs) <laughs> that has resulted in, of course, the bullpen getting super taxed because it's full of one-inning relievers, and that has resulted in the Blue Jays going for help for one guy outside the organization. Before I get into all the other things they've done, I, we, we should talk about uh, Gio Urshela, who is a what a glove-first infielder. Yep, he was on uh, on Cleveland. He was actually he was playing third base for them in their during their run to the World Series a couple of years ago. He's exactly what you just said. He's a glove first guy. I watch him swing. I don't know how it's possible for him to hit a ball hard to the opposite field. It just just doesn't well, look right, huh? Well, he looks like he's pulling off on every swing. So I don't know why a pitcher would ever throw anything on the inner two thirds of the plate. <laughs> so what was the? Is this just to take pressure off of the Devin Travises and the the guys who are on the DL right now to make them feel like maybe? You know, the Jays don't have to rush him back because he is, quote, unquote, major league talent in, in that slot right now. Well, I think it's because they just need somebody and like anybody who can fill in occasionally a shortstop. That's a, that's the problem. Oh, uh, 
yeah, among the many transactions, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who was playing a little bit of shortstop, has been moved back to the minors. Am I right about that? Or is he back up again? Yes. Yeah. No, no, he's in the minors. He's, Gurriel, he was doing okay here and there, but he's just not ready, and he was never supposed to be ready. He just came up because everybody kept getting hurt. So now it's Urshela and Urania. The real reason Gurriel came up in the first place is because Urania was hurt at the time. And Urania had already been up, so you, you've got... Um, a little bit more seasoning in Urania, who obviously hit a bomb in garbage time today just to prove that he belongs here. <laughs> and the thing with Urania, at least he's a good defensive shortstop, which is not anything any of these other guys could say. Well, I guess Gifting Gope, but, you know. Mm. But... <laughs> yeah, we'll, that. <laughs> we'll make that noise. So we've mentioned a bunch of those names that have been up and down and around. Now, the MLB transaction page includes things all transactions so there'll be one transaction for gift and go pay being designated for assignment and then another transaction for him being um assigned to buffalo when he passed through waivers but it is may 16th as we record this how many transactions do you think are on the may page i'm gonna say 30 41 (laughs) (laughs) i guess a high number and i still wasn't close so they, they've, I mean, in in a kind of vague sense, they've kind of turned the entire forty man roster <laughs> channeled through. Eh, not really, but like th- there are only forty people on the roster to to move, unless you start risking losing people. They made forty one moves, includes Josh Donaldson's paternity list. I mean, you can't, or Josh, sorry, Justin Smoke's paternity list. But um, you know, that's that's a whole lot of taxi squatting for not a lot of results. I mean. And you mentioned the like basically using the whole forty man roster. They pretty much have, including guys that weren't on it. You know, like Jake Patrichka or Deck McGuire. <laughs> I think it's possible that the only guy in the forty man who didn't who has not played. Sorry, there would be two: Taylor Guerrero and uh, and uh, uh, Rowdy Tellez. Oh no, Reese McGuire's on the forty man too. So those three players, a backup catcher, Rowdy Tellez, and Telly Guerrero, the only guys on the forty man roster who have not played in the big so far. That's not how you drew it up in practice. Certainly not how you drew it up by May sixteenth. No. All right. Would you like to get to some good news? Yes, please. <laughs> Apparently Tay Oscar Hernandez is a legit everyday big leaguer. I'm gonna go out there and say it. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. He keeps hitting. And and with authority. They uh, they said today 60-something percent of his hits in the big leagues have been for extra bases. Which is, that's kind of crazy. I mean, entering today, he had 19 extra base hits in 32 hits. And then he hit a double, or did he, I don't think he hit a double. He had a home run today, though. Yeah. Because he's the bomb. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sold on him sticking around because he's not striking out a million times um, to sell out for that kind of power. And, you know, for all the trouble that Randall Grichuk had when he was healthy, I think Teoscar Hernandez has more than ably replaced what you thought Grichuk was going to be. Oh, yeah. No, I I think that once Grichuk comes back, it's not going to be Hernandez who's on the bubble to go. He's he's hitting in the middle of their lineup every single day or leadoff against lefties. He's he's entrenched and deservedly so. His numbers are, you know, he's had he has some slumps, which a guy like him is going to have. He's and most major leaguers are going to have. But he always seems to come out of them pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a difference between all-star and legit big leaguer, and I would say, you know, he's he's not an all-star at the moment. He's very... I, I'm not complaining about him, uh, but I don't know if we knew that legit big leaguer was was out there, and uh, clearly it is. Uh, another guy and legit who, big league starter, too, not just legit big yes. leaguer. Uh, now, Luke Melee is kind of a, a weirder thing because his batting average on balls in play is astronomically high. But he is, at the moment, having a better offensive season than Russell Martin by leaps and bounds. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not close. <laughs> and it's funny. So we, we talked about Maley earlier in the season when he was just everything. He was, he was like eight for eight with runners in scoring position or something stupid. And just everything he hit was gold. And then it seemed like he started to go into this regression tailspin where his batting average dropped 100 points in seven games or something like that. But it hasn't dropped any further than that. It's actually gone back up. Because of reasons, obviously, Josh. Don't you know? That's how baseball works. Lukey Barrels. <laughs> yeah, Lukey Barrels. So he is, uh, you, know, you talked about his BABIP, right? He's actually 
having a lot of hard hit balls. So yeah, it's not going to be over 400 because that's crazy. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, he seems to be doing something that looks like it's. I mean, he's not again not going to be this good, but not nearly as bad as we thought. And it really helps that if you're going to only play Russell Martin, super utility infielder at catcher, um, once you know you're going to give him a day off every three days. That the guy who replaces him is now. A, a legitimate threat at the plate not just a warm body so hey that's the second positive thing i can talk about i'm 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 gonna move on to a not well okay let's talk about russell martin super utility player he, he <laughs> he's he started at third base this year has he started at second at some point or was that just he, last year it was second base i thought last year he only started at third okay and then and then he got moved over to shortstop in the midst of a blowout this week right First game against the Mets, yeah. Yeah, of course, because he likes to do that, and John Gibbons doesn't want to upset Russell Martin. Um, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, John, I don't know. It's kind of fun. He can play the positions. It's like, well, get some use out of him while Millie's playing behind the plate. Well, yeah, I mean, and I guess what this may speak to is the unwillingness to put Kendris Morales at DH every day, which is the real crux of the problem. If there is if there is a black hole in the Blue Jays lineup uh, that really needs to be fixed, it, it has become Kendris Morales. I mean, you could say it's Russell Martin too, but right, but so... you can you can justify Russell Martin by his defensive versatility now, and being able to rest Donaldson for you know just a DH day, so. Kenneth Morales has six hits in his last 70 plate appearances. That's really bad. And that includes that two-homer game. He's got 10 walks in there, which is good. 10 walks in in 70 plate appearances is quite is very good, in fact, 14%. But 16 strikeouts. Three of those walks are intentional walks. I don't know why anyone's intentionally walking Kendrys, but he's just awful. Absolutely awful. Yeah. And I, I I think people are, <coughs> sorry, there's a lot of people hurt right now. I'm wondering if there were some people who were not hurt, say the Randall Grichuks of the world, what the situation would be with Kendris Morales. Yeah, and this is sort of the thing. People keep clamoring for Kendris to go. And look, I get it. I'm sure you get it. Mm. But who are you replacing him with? I, you know, other than Vlad Jr., which we're going to talk to Ben <laughs> Badler about that. But... It's like there's no one. There's no one to come up and play. You don't want Anthony Alford or Dalton Pompey in the bigs every day right now because they're not – that's not the time for them. They, they're, you know, they're not much better than Kendry's yet. They will be, but – so I think it's when Grichik and Pierce are back, we're really going to see what happens with him. And so we wait for the living zombie-like Kendrys Morales <laughs> to maneuver his way around the bases. He also runs like a zombie which is the other part. I think if the guy looked like he had some other tools, people might not be quite as down on him. Um, but the, Like Russell Martin? Yeah, exactly. You know, you can, you can forgive that, perhaps. Uh, also, Russell Martin is Canadian, so, you know, he gets, he gets a half of a free pass right there. Well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, does that sum up uh, our week in, in the Blue Jays? Do we forget any lowlights? I don't think so. I mean, the fact that they, they went three out of four, it, it's, it's a lot better than it felt like at times. And they do have some games coming up that could really determine where things are going. And they got Oakland, who's solid enough, and then the Angels right after that. If they can win those games, it'll actually put them in a much better spot going into you know, what the, the summer days, as they say. And just in case it doesn't, we're going to talk about the future, because the future... That is exciting, uh, and it's named Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We're going to come back with Ben Badler and uh, bounce that name around for, oh, 15 or 20 minutes. We'll be right back. And we are pleased tonight to be joined by Ben Badler of Baseball America. Ben, welcome to Artificial Turf Wars. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, we couldn't uh, couldn't get an interview with any uh, Vladimir uh, Vladimir Guerrero Juniors. Um, we don't have that kind of pull, but you have had your eyes on Vladimir Guerrero Junior, and I think that is of great interest to our fan base out in Toronto. Um, first question, though, I'd kind of like to roll back the clock. 
way back when, eh, it seems like forever ago, the Blue Jays signed Vlad as a 16-year-old. And I just sort of, I'd like to get an idea of what kind of investment and risk the Jays were, were taking at that point. And then how did he, you know, how was he projected at that point versus where we are actually now? Yeah, so that was like way back in the day, back when he signed, which is like, what, three <laughs> years ago? So um, three years in the international market does feel like 15 years, but uh, but obviously, yeah, not that not that long ago. So when he was an amateur player in the Dominican Republic, we ranked him as the number one player in that class, and it was mostly just because of what he could do in the batter's box he you know i'd seen him i think since he was either 15 or possibly even 14 years old may have been the first time i saw him um and he was always just a, a really advanced hitter for his age uh he could uh hit in games he he hit the ball hard he, he had power it um and it was a pretty disciplined hitter too. That's that's kind of tough to tell sometimes when you're talking about 15, 16 year old amateur players in Latin America. But even from an early age, uh, I think that that stood out with Vladdy. Now at the time, he was an outfielder who uh, way below average runner, below average arm. And I mean, he's grown taller and, and he's gotten heavier some since then. But, you know, the body type you see now was more or less the body type you saw then. So it's it was you were thinking at that time, all right, best case scenario, left field. Uh, but good chance he, he ends up going over to first base at some point. Um, and as highly as we thought of the bat and, and probably even as highly as, as the Blue Jays scouts thought of his bat, he's obviously really surpassed every expectation of him, even as high as those expectations were. I mean, you can't rank a guy any higher than number one, but um, I would not have thought we'd be sitting here May 2018 talking about him. Why is he not in the big leagues already hitting over 400 in double a and then obviously he's, he's made that transition over to uh third base uh pretty pretty soon after signing so um definitely one of the better uh prospects and certainly one of the better hitters i've ever covered as a as an international prospect when he was in the dominican republic now as so, a result yeah. the, the blue jays um he did not come cheap in terms of what the blue jays had to do from their international bonus signing pool they were they were sort of taking a risk on that knowing he was good but not knowing you know they kind of sold out on him for that year right yeah they took a really unusual approach that you know usually when teams go over their international bonus pools and go into the penalty range they're just blowing way over their bonus pool you, know, you have teams like the Dodgers or the Padres, I think spent somewhere like 90 million or so each between uh, bonuses and uh, tax overages that they had to pay to the commissioner's office, or you know other teams that went over and just signed a whole bunch of players, 10 million, 15 million dollars, whatever it was, to uh, to get you know essentially three or four years worth of players in one year and then go into the penalty for two years not being able to sign anyone for over three hundred thousand dollars the blue jays ended up trading for more bonus pool space to kind of stay like right under that 15 percent overage amount so they only triggered one year of penalties instead of two which is why they were able to have such a big class this year and get guys like eric pardino and uh alejandro melian miguel Hiraldo, leonardo uh jimenez but yeah, basically at that time, their whole signing class, I, I think they also got, if I remember right, McGregory Contreras is a pretty interesting guy for like 10000 bucks. But um, pretty much their whole international signing class was Vlad Jr. It's pretty, it's pretty risky to put all your eggs essentially into one basket, but uh, that, is a, that is a special egg. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so just now back to the special and, and to, the, to the present, I guess. How rare is this what he's doing? It, it is incredibly rare. I mean, the last time, you know, the last, I, I think the last teenage hitter who's ever been this good was probably Bryce Harper, 
and Harper was, I mean, Harper was basically, I don't know, remember he made the all-star game or not that year, but um, he was basically an MLB all-star at 19 years old. And he, he had a bunch of other, I mean, 80 arm, way better athlete than Vlad too. But um, that's, he, he I, I can't, rem- I, I've never covered uh, prospects as talented as uh, as Bryce Harper at that age over covering minor league prospects for the last uh, uh, 11 years now. So, uh, but Vladdy is, I mean, he is right up there, right underneath him. It's, it's, it's really, I mean, it, everything that I, I write about him and that everybody really says about him just sounds so crazy and like over the top <laughs> and like, it, it all sounds like hyperbole, but it's all true. <laughs> I mean, there's just he just has such a great combination of plate coverage, uh, bat speed, power, plate discipline. Uh, I mean, I'm I've seen him a, a bunch this year, and you know, especially with the top guys who try to nitpick him and, and pick him apart and find out what the kind of holes they have. But at least offensively. I, I just don't know how you pitch to him. I mean, he doesn't really have any holes in his game offensively, so it's it's really unusual to find such a complete hitter at 19 years old right now who really, I mean, you could put him in the middle of a, a big league lineup right now, and I think he would fit right in there. So you do make an interesting point. As a hitter, he's he is complete and he has some really crazy skills in, a, in an age where everybody strikes out. Uh, but as an athlete, he probably isn't uh, complete. And, and we'll get in more specifically to that. But it, just as a comp, if people were going to compare him to someone, um, who is your favorite comp for for Vlad? Um, I mean, at least offensively, the, the guy I think he probably reminds me the most of is Manny Ramirez. Now, I'm not saying he's like the exact same guy as... As Manny, I mean, if you look back at where Manny was, uh, just especially in terms of body type, it's it's a little different body type, especially at that at that same age. But in, in just in terms of being an all-around complete hitter, I think that's a good expectation for the kind of hitter he's going to be and the kind of performance you're going to see. I mean. You're seeing it now. I mean, it, it's more extra base hits <laughs> than strikeouts, more walks than strikeouts. It's just that really special combination of contact, uh, impact, power that I, I don't even think is starting to fully show up yet. I mean, he does have seven home runs uh, this year. I, I think, you know, you, you've probably seen the videos <laughs> of him hitting balls off the hotel. Uh, over that left field wall in BP. I mean, he does that. He does that every day, and he hits balls to right center field. I mean, he, he has true all fields power. It's it's a guy who has that chance to potentially win a, a batting title to lead the league in on base percentage. He he could lead the league in home runs uh, in any given year when he's um, you know when he's in his prime. So I think that's that's the kind of complete hitter that uh, I think he's capable of, of becoming. Uh, I was going to say down the road, but probably I should say very, <laughs> very soon. <laughs> so, yeah, now very soon is obviously the big topic of the of the day for not just Blue Jays fans, but for everybody. And there's some saying, why not at least send him to Buffalo? So my question to you is, would AAA pitching really be much more of a challenge for him than what he's facing right now? I think it would be a step up, but I don't think it's that much of a step up. Um, AAA pitching, I think, is better than AA pitching, and you see more you see more guys who have uh, big league experience. So you're, you're facing probably guys with a bit more. Uh, I, I think the stuff wise, it's probably comparable, but um, he, he will see more guys with a little bit more pitching savvy, and I think especially the difference you, you see in the bullpen where you have guys who are on that up and down shuttle between triple a and, and the big leagues and a lot more guys with big league time in a triple a bullpen. Whereas a a double a bullpen later in the game, you're seeing a lot of organizational arms. You might have one guy 
in a bullpen, maybe the closer who might be a prospect, might be a, a hard thrower, but um, I, th- I think the AAA bullpen guys, I think that's really one of the big differences between AAA and and AA. But but yeah, I don't think it's going to be any kind of big step up from from the pitching he sees in in AA. So, okay. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I was just going to say, so that the big reason now we're hearing about the Blue Jays keeping him down, of course, is not the bat. No one seems to doubt the readiness of the bat, but on his defense. Is he a third baseman? Or, I mean, what what is your view of his actual current skill level and potential in the infield? So I, I think... Yeah, I think we hear a lot sometimes of, like, teams... You know, like with when Chris Bryant, for example... When the Cubs were definitely manipulating his service time to keep him in AAA, and there was oh he needs to get better defensively. Oh, all of a sudden the uh, you know we bring him up and we gain an extra year of service time on him. Um, I, I think this is a different situation than that. I mean, like like we were talking about earlier, Vladdy hasn't really played third base a lot. Um, he was he was an outfielder when he was training as an amateur and I think really his position was just hitting. He just worked on his hitting all the time. And <laughs> it's it, that work has really paid off. He's a super hitter, but defensively he just, he doesn't have that much time at third base yet. So it's kind of a tough position where, and because of how good his bat is, we're talking about him and his defense as though, is it, you know, is it ready to, to go at third base right now at the big league level? when most 19 year olds we're talking about are you know either international players who are in for the most part in in a low a or or maybe still in even an extended spring training right now uh, or their high school draft picks from last year and they're in their first you know really in their second month right now of full season ball so um it's it's almost like his bat is so good <laughs> you just have to keep in mind just how young he is and inexperienced he is at the position now i do think he has the ability to play third base at least early in his career the the things he does well at third base he does have a good arm Uh, his arm has gotten stronger since signing and i think it plays better in the infield than it does in the outfield and he has definitely inherited his dad's hand-eye coordination um you can see that at the plate but i think that also shows and the the way he tracks pitches too um i I think he reads the ball well too off of the bat so that hand-eye coordination the the vision the body control body awareness uh, i think those that all helps him at third base the issue is that he's you know he's a really big guy and uh he does not have a, a quick first step uh, the footwork is is pretty heavy. I don't know how much. I think it, I think it can improve. I don't know how much better it, it really will get. So I think he can have, uh, you know, adequate range. It's it's still going to be below average. Um, but I think you know with a, a more work, he can be a, an adequate defender at third base at least early in his career. But I mean, you, you see just the way he's built, how big he is right now at 19 years old uh you know i don't see him getting any slimmer by the time he's like 25 26 years old i think he's just gonna get uh even bigger and stronger and probably you know i shouldn't say probably but potentially get you know start hitting the ball even farther which is a frightening thought but it's a wonderful uh, thought. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's a, a perspective issue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I see uh, every time I tweet about Vladdy, I, I always see fans from like the Blue, or not the Blue, the, uh, like the Red Sox or the Yankees or some other team saying, oh, this guy is going to be a lot of trouble. But man, I can't wait to see this guy up anyway. <laughs> so um, pretty unusual. But I, I, so I, I think that he does have a chance early in his career to play third base. He, he does need to get better defensively at the position. But I do think that most likely at some point by the time he's like, you know, probably in his mid-20s, uh, he'll, he'll just get so big, maybe even earlier than that, that he'll have to go to first base. But I do think that at least early in his career, uh, there is a legitimate chance for him to to be able to stick at that position. 
All right. There's nothing I'd like more than another 15 minutes talking about Vlad, but I think we've covered him well enough. <laughs> so I'm going to give... I'm going to give props to the rest of that New Hampshire team. And, and let's imagine a universe in which uh, Vlad Jr. didn't exist for just a brief moment. And that the stars of this team were uh, Bobachet and Kevin Biggio. Um, would we be talking about these guys? Which of these guys, I should say, would we be talking about more? And what would we be saying about either of them or both of them? Yeah, it's a, it's a really talented team and vlad understandably just kind of overshadows all of them but um but i think i i love Bo bichette i think we have him on the top i think five or six or so prospects in all of baseball right now uh super talented hitter i think he feels like he's not hitting the way he wants right now but at the same time he's a 20 year old shortstop who's hitting pretty well at the at the double a level uh terrific bat speed really really good uh approaches to stay in the middle of the field uses a lot of center right center fields uh very advanced two strike approach too i'm a huge fan of his swing but i think more than anything what's impressed me this year with him is his defense i mean certainly coming out of high school a couple of years ago a lot of questions on whether he was going to play, I don't want to see questions. It was more like, you know, is he going to play third base or is he going to play second base? Um, and then last year he he improved his defense to the point where he had more people thinking, oh, maybe he could play shortstop. And watching him play all this year, uh, and I know he put a ton of work into it over the offseason, he, he looks like a shortstop to me. I don't really have much doubt about his ability to stick at that position. Some of it's going to be circumstantial where you know if you happen to have uh you know a danny echeverria or uh, andrell and simmons or some spectacular defensive shortstop already on the club all right well he's he's not going to play there you know manny machado alex bregman all these guys probably could play shortstop at the major league level but uh, have played other positions just due to circumstance but uh footwork raids off the bat uh, you know, he, he gets very good reactions, ranges well uh, up the middle, turns double plays well, using his arm uh, effectively. Um, I, I really, I've really been impressed with the strides that he's made defensively at shortstop. And then his his double play partner, Kevin Biggio. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if there's a player in the minor leagues who's taken a, a bigger. I don't want to say step, what's more like a leap, gigantic leap <laughs> forward this year than Kevin Biggio. Um, he, he he's a guy who has a lot of a lot of lift in his swing and and there's you know there's 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 definitely more holes there um to uh to exploit, but he also has a very patient hitting approach too. He's he's he consistently puts together quality at bats. Uh, gets on base and then you know I know he was in the Florida State League last year and and that's that's tough for power hitters but the power he's showing this year uh, is a is a big big surprise for me and that New Hampshire park is a good park for left-handed hitters but it's he's doing it on the road and the ones I think I've seen every home run he's hit at home and just posted a video on my Twitter account today. Those are not <laughs> wall scrapers. Those are going out in any park. So uh, he doesn't have the same kind of twitch that Vlad and, and Bo have, but uh, I, I think this guy has been to me, super impressive. He's, he's definitely moving way, way up our, uh, our blue Jays prospect rankings. He's been, uh, he's been, he's been really, really good. All right. Well, That's the future, Sorry, I just want to say just quickly. Sorry, I, I just looked at that video right now as you said that. <laughs> that was a fun. We're gonna post that on the Twitter on the on the post for the podcast. That was a huge bomb. Yeah, he's uh yeah, it's a it's a pretty nice infield, and uh, all of their dads, <laughs> you know, two two Hall of Fame sons, another son of a uh, really good big leaguer. So it's uh it's been fun to watch those guys play a lot this year. All right. Well, if you want to check out more of that sort of thing, uh, Ben, directly from Ben's Twitter, it's at Ben Badler. Um, or you can check out Ben's stuff at Baseball America. 
I really appreciate you dropping by, Ben, um, because we don't get the chance to go down there and, and lay our eyes on these guys. Um, I, I don't really have tickets to New Hampshire anytime soon. Maybe I should. Um, but we appreciate you stopping by, and, and hopefully we can talk to you again when Vlad gets called up. I'm always happy to talk about Vladdy Jr., so thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. And there you have it. Uh, not one, not two, but three guys who Ben seemed pretty happy to talk about. Well, but one, obviously, far above the rest. Um, Vlad is is a special one. Well, his Twitter bio does say, I write about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for Baseball America. <laughs> so <laughs> He's he's given up, as it were. Yeah. Or given in. Given in. You're given yeah. in, truly. Um, so we're actually going to hand out, of all things, we're going to hand out a gold star, star to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. like this. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. That's not for something he'd done on the field. It's something completely different. Because when you're a minor leaguer uh, in this day and age, you have to be more than the player on the field. So tell us about Vlad the Troll. <laughs> so yeah vladimir Guerrero jr had blue jays twitter and probably facebook and every social media version you can think of all in a twitter <laughs> uh, tizzy tizzy sure <laughs> all in a tizzy because he put out an instagram story with a photo of him tagged with a jfk airport which is in new york where the blue jays are playing whoa well, now they're, they're now done playing and so for about half an hour, people were losing their minds <laughs> until someone, I think it was Faisal Kamisa who first found it from Sportsnet, noticed that this was the same photo from December. <laughs> well, you know, what's just a crazy coincidence. He felt like reposting that photo the day the Jays landed in New York, right? Yeah, it was just really funny. <laughs> just, he, he clearly is aware how much Blue Jays fans want him up and he decided to have a little fun with them. And I love that. Absolutely. Um, we, we are easy people to manipulate. I would give us that. Um, now, did he actually do something again? Um, it's hard to say. There's, a, there's something that went out that was tagged Anthony Alford with a picture of him in a bus. So people were thinking that it meant that he was going to going on a bus with Buff, with Anthony Alford towards Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really seen the aftermath of that one yet because that happened while we were recording with Ben. All right. So, uh, yeah, maybe not a one-shot deal. I mean, you... you he's a 19 year old kid that's the thing we he might be yeah. our baseball savior but but do, do you remember what you were doing as you were finishing high school I, <laughs> <laughs> you realize if you say that now to anybody but you or me it's like finishing high school at 19 what's wrong with you were you stupid or something yeah we're old men we we, yeah, we, got we had to, grade 13 <laughs> got to have a whole year to supposedly prep for college and university which i'm still not sure how that worked because people still go to college and university and make it out alive yep all right i guess uh, i shouldn't say you stupid or something that's not very nice <laughs> i know i'm i'm stupid just only about baseball possibly <laughs> uh which uh, of course the reason that we know we're really stupid is because you let us answer your questions every week like so time now to hear from our listeners that just seems silly here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Um, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna go right off the top. Uh Volukamir Guerrero Jr., not that we're hyped up about someone, uh, at split letters, asks us at what point does Vlad's hitting supersede? Any other reason to keep him down? Once he starts hitting five hundred, uh, if he has a fourteen hundred OPS, or are they just gonna keep him down no matter what? I think it's a ladder. I think they have a very specific plan for when he's going to move up to the next level. I don't think it comes straight to the bigs. And he might accelerate it a little bit, but I mean, if he hasn't done it already, he's hitting 415. I don't think it makes a difference at this point. He's going to go up when they're ready for him to go up, which could be imminently. But uh, yeah, I think it's just, no, it doesn't matter. Um, I have heard, again, we touched on this with Ben, but but we have heard about the fielding, and and this is not... I understand everyone's, oh, you could DH him and you could this, you could that. This is not a major league ready third baseman. The decisions that you have to make on the field at third base are not decisions he has enough reps at to, to reliably do. And 
you know, are you gonna you gonna push Justin Smoke out? Are you gonna make? Are you, he does. He's never played first. Um, are you gonna push JD to DH all the time? Do you think Josh Donaldson wants to DH in a year that he's basically gearing up for free agency? Yeah, <laughs> this would be a very bad situation. Yeah, there be there be some unhappy people. And again, does does Vladimir Guerrero Jr. make this team a ninety two win team? Yes. Yeah, no. really? Yeah. <laughs> One dude. So that's the problem is, again, if they were on the bubble and they were as good as, almost as good as the Yankees, I think this would be a much tougher question to answer. But sure. They're, they're one game above 500. Uh, Luke's follow-up question is then, on a less banging the table note, can we just DFA Morales and have Jay Happ be our, our Shohei Otani? Uh, and this and goes this... with Colleen Evans' question, where she says, so perhaps next start, do the Blue Jays forgo the DH? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how long did it take people to turn on Kendris Morales? Like, was it in the first couple weeks, or and I didn't notice, or what? Well, no, this is more about Hap, who went two for three with a walk, and it was the first Blue Jay pitcher ever to get on base three times in a game. So props to Jay Hap. I don't know if he can duplicate that, per se. Uh, he totally can. What are you talking about? Exactly. What was I? Why would I ever doubt Jay? <laughs> Dude, uh, and he runs like a gimp. It's really funny. So Brian, he, he, oh, he runs really ahead. slow. That that's fine. So does our current DH. Yeah, well, he's <laughs> he, he's not trying to go fast. I'm sure if Hap could run fast, he'd be fine. But he, he's not, and he's still faster than Kendrys. <laughs> uh, so Brian, bracket keep Vlad Junior in the minors, and bracket A. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. I might not call you a dunderhead this week, um, unless you want me to, in which case, just shoot me a message and we'll we'll ramp up the insults again. After the MLB makes their decision with the Osuna situation, what do you think the team will do? Will, with Rodgers owning the team and, and being so involved in other things, maybe they don't want the bad publicity that, that uh, keeping Osuna could bring. I don't think the Rodgers part is going to play too much into it. I don't think they're going to try to get involved on that level. But I don't know the answer to this question as to what the team will do. I, I've heard speculation that he might just not pitch this year and they'll just try to go fresh into the offseason. But it's really, really tough because especially if the team starts getting into it, there's going to be pressure internally to play their best players. And, you know, even if they, the emotional decision is not suggesting they should do that. So I don't think this is a question you or I can answer. I think this is just a sort of wait and see thing. I think you're right that we we don't have the answer. I, I you know, there was some there's an article on Fangraphs about the language that they used regarding the accusations against Osuna that um, the Blue Jays statement did not include the words alleged and also um, there were not the words accusations. Um, so it's it's as if even before the investigation is complete, the Blue Jays has accepted the credibility of the complaint against Osuna, whatever it, its exact nature is. So given that, it, it would make me think that the team has in fact taken seriously the idea of um, him not returning simply and everything being back to normal. That is to say, though, that they may feel that there is some some other penalty to pay or, or punishment or, or something that is appropriate in order to get him back on the team because he is a valuable member of the team. But if they're tipping their hand at all, it's certainly not to rush to defend him maybe the way the Yankees you know, jumped all over Chapman and then brought him right back. Well, so this is sort of the difference between what happened with Chapman and Reyes and actually Stephen Wright didn't get suspended, I don't believe, or, or actually he did, but for a short amount of time. All those things happened in the off season, right? So those players entered the season on suspension then just came back. And, you know, we, we reacted and people around baseball have reacted, but they just, they came back and played. This one happened in the middle of the season. So... You know, we had to see him here and then saw him leave because of this. There was no, you know, like the, the situation happening away from the field and without all of the eyes on you. So I don't know. It, it, it's unique and not good. No, it, it's going to be an ugly situation. I think both ways, because if it is a part of, about getting rid of him somehow, um, I doubt that, that the answer is just a DFA because someone is going to pick up a Brito Osuna. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's it reminds me in a way of the um, Unel Escobar situation. That that was handled badly from the get go. Even if this is handled better, though, the end of it just doesn't look like it's going to be comfortable for anybody. Yeah, 
Um, Brian again. Had there ever been a player you could think of that people want off their team as much as Morales? The only one I could think of is Vernon Wells, but that was just for his contract, not because of his personality uh, or his performance specifically. He was just too expensive, I guess, is what he's saying. Can you remember someone they we wanted off the team that badly? Well, he says people. So I was thinking the most recent example of this is A-Rod. All right. Yan- Yankees fans hated A-Rod. <laughs> uh so did Yankees know. management for yeah, they all intents did. and purposes. I don't know if there's been a Blue Jays player that was at this level where it's like, get this guy off the team, he sucks. I remember a player, and maybe you don't, but is actually on the other end of the Vernon Wells trade was Juan Rivera, was it not? He was. It wasn't this bad with Juan Rivera, though. But but there, there were calls to DFA Juan Rivera because he looked like he... he was the victim of some horrible crime coming to Toronto. Like, and then he hit like he was the, he had one of the, you know, the negative 100 um, OPS plus. He broke the metric for like the first two weeks he was here. Um, So I I remember there was a lot of outcry about like, why do we even trade for this guy if he wasn't even going to show up? Oh yeah. So I guess I could get another one from that era. Francisco Cordero. Yep. He was just terrible out of the bullpen. And and this was, this was actually the origination of the people really thinking of Mike Wilner as the ultimate homer because he would put out these super cherry-picked end date stats to say, look, Francisco Cordero has actually been good. And he's like, no, he sucks. He's been terrible. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, Coco Cordero. And, and the funny thing about Cordero was the previous season, all of the outside metrics showed that he had declined and got lucky. And then he came to the Blue Jays, and everyone was who, who had seen those was crossing their fingers that that wasn't true. And as it turned out, after about two weeks, yes, he had horribly declined and was no longer lucky. Yeah, he went from a 2.45 ERA to a 7.55. Kaboom. Uh, all right. What do we have left? Oh, we have <laughs> Gideon Mimir... <laughs> Dirk Harrow Jr. Thank you, Gideon Dirk, for making that difficult on me. What is a pause for station identification? Do you want to try and explain this, Josh? Because this is last week's podcast that, that this question came from. Well, it was just sort of a thing that would happen in all, all the old blue baseball broadcasts. They would pause and say, this game is brought to you by you know, Rogers Communications and is, is well, produced it, it with was- the express written consent of Major League Baseball and may not be reproduced or whatever, you know, all that stuff. Some strange reason. This is still actually required. And if you ever listen to the radio, there are still station identifications, but they don't call them that. Um, the broadcasting regulations require that you identify yourself once an hour by your call sign and the station name. I don't know you why go. you still need that, but it's required. So every time you hear someone go, you're listening to Jack FM, CHFY, uh, that's the law. They're not just tooting their own horn. So you should have answered this. <laughs> You're the one with the background in radio. It's a dumb rule. It continues. Yeah. Um, Final question. Yes. Fire away. I'm Colleen Evans again. I know it is steeped in tradition, but how do the Cubs sell enough tickets with all of their afternoon games? Are all of their season ticket holders retired or corporate? I don't know. I, 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 Colleen thinks of these things that perhaps I've taken for granted in the business of baseball. Uh, I know it obviously comes out of when the Cubs had no lights. Um, what was it 1988 the Cubs finally got lights at Wrigley it was late it was in the 80s yeah I remember it happening which is crazy yeah. um, I assume that uh, businesses tend to look the other way in Chicago when there's a Cubs game on yeah I I, I don't know if it's that but also you know, the Cubs park's not that big and the tickets cost a fortune season tickets so it's probably a bunch of people buying tickets and then selling them on aftermarket for all the tourists that come to Chicago which would be another very cool possibility. But uh, I think we might actually have to research that and figure out who's buying Cubs tickets. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is a confusing thing, though. You wouldn't think it would be easy to sustain that. Um, baseball is a powerful, powerful thing. Gets people out of work regularly. Are you ready for the do-over, my friend? I'm ready. All right. Oh my God, did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a f***ing door? We believe in second chances. Or third chances, or fourth chances in some cases. Uh, it's a long <laughs> clip. You have provided me with said long clip. I think, I think it's worth digesting, so here we go. If you're treating Josh Donaldson 
let's say we, we, we decide we're going to trade Josh Donaldson in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. What's your ask right now? I'm asking a for closer. A, I'm asking for a power arm and close. Yeah. And you know what? what? If I had Roberto Osuna here, <laughs> I'd be asking for another position player. And that's that's the big the big difference. I, I think you've gone from looking at Roberto Osuna as a guy who could either A close for you or B bring in a position player in a trade. And now you're looking at at least having to, I think, talk about a closer with your most tradable commodity. Yeah. I'm confused, Josh. Yeah, you're not going to find reason over here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, first of all, Josh Donaldson for a closer. That doesn't seem like fair value to me. I mean, okay, so it's insane. Like, you would never do that. It doesn't make any sense from the Blue Jays' perspective to trade Josh Johnson for a relief pitcher. You can... The Jays have enough guys in their bullpen right now who could be closers and be just fine. But also, any team that's trading for pending free agent Josh Donaldson is not trading their closer. (laughs) Um, And then something happens there as they reverse the argument that if you had Roberto Osuna, you would try and trade him for a position player. So I'm a little confused. Do the Blue Jays need... A closer, or do they need a position player? Like, like, how yeah. can they need both? I, I don't understand. Like, they're okay with position players now because they lost Roberto Osuna and they need a closer, so they're going to get rid of another position player. But they already made sense. None of that made sense. If you're trading Josh Donaldson, you want the best package of players you can get, and they're not going to be relief pitchers because that's never the best package of players you can get. Well, in addition, if you're trading Josh Donaldson, are you contending? Trading for, you mean? Trading him away. If you're the Blue Jays and you're trading Josh Donaldson away, why would you need anybody on the Major League roster? You're clearly not contending. Right, so you don't need a closer if you're trading away (laughs) Josh Donaldson. And the team trading away Josh Donaldson wants its closer. So none of it makes sense. Do they watch much baseball, the uh, baseball central crew? Because that was Kevin Barker and Jeff Blair. I guess Barker watches baseball. Funny thing is, before that, Barker was actually the one making sense. Blair was saying they need a closer, they need a closer, and Blair and Barker was like, "Well, you know, it's like in two months they might not." Yes, because because the team might not be any good, in which case it doesn't matter. And then he all of a sudden he said, "Yeah, trade for a closer." I I don't get it. He was barking, which is what Kevin Barker <laughs> reverts to occasionally. <laughs> Maybe not occasionally. All right, so I have the do over. I think. Um. I think you let us, you and me, host Baseball Central once a week, tops, and uh, <laughs> and we'll never talk about this again. I think it's fair, don't you? Totally in. Yeah, because we, I mean, that gives us, that exposes us to the criticism, you know, take a crack at that, and uh, and what's the worst that could happen? They could, we, they could pay us. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst that could happen? I like this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, maybe I'm taking a little liberty with the do over there, but that was a bit weird to say the least. Uh, so we have one more. I don't know if this counts as your final thought. It may be more than a final thought. Uh, it, presuming we have not talked about Joey Votto and Canadian baseball, and that seems to be on a lot of people's minds. Yeah, this isn't. I don't want to do this as a final thought. I think it should be a little longer than that. But so Joey Votto came out and he was speaking on a podcast, and he essentially said that. Well, I guess I should get the the actual quote, but basically the the idea was that baseball, Canadian baseball doesn't matter to him. He doesn't identify with Canada and, you know, it was not what he wanted to say. He said like in in Toronto, all these things that made him sound not really good to Canadian baseball fans. Yeah. Who have had a bit of a love affair with, you know, one of the greatest Canadian hitters of all time, um, especially because he's kind of a funny guy. And this was like the opposite of funny and flip. It was it was bitter. Yeah, yeah, it was. He, he, like, he, he was talking about it, the context of it was they asked him about whether he felt happy for James Paxton as a Canadian pitcher throwing a no hitter in Toronto. And. 
And he got into like, as far as Toronto and Canadian baseball in the country of Canada and Paxton being Canadian, I don't care at all. Paxton or the Jays or Canada in general may disagree with that, but I don't, I really couldn't give a rat's out about ass about that. <clears throat> Tell us so how I you really asked, feel. Yeah. So <laughs> this morning in our personal chat, Nick, who couldn't come on this podcast this time, but he asked me, like, well, what do you think about that as someone who plays baseball and who actually played with Joey Votto? You know, he asked if I was mad about it and the answer was no I'm not mad but I was a little disappointed by it because you know it does reflect on Canadian baseball and it does there are people who play baseball because they have this superstar Joey Votto out there and yes more of them are probably about the Blue Jays but it doesn't mean there aren't some that look up to him and it probably felt like a bit of a slap in the face to some of them and that's why I think he apologized I don't think it was because he felt pressured to apologize I think it's because you know, he doesn't think that way. He doesn't feel like Canadian youth baseball and all that doesn't matter. He gives back all the time. He comes back in the offseason and helps train kids in, at uh, Pro Teach in, in Etobicoke. He really does care about this. So I think that he felt that his response at the time really did not reflect what he was actually thinking. And I think, I, I you know, good for him to apologize. But at the same time, if... if Joey Votto does a lot of things off the cuff. If you've ever watched interviews with him or things he does mm -hmm. with fans and everything else, he is entertaining because you don't know what to expect with him. And he seems very, very genuine. And I think you need to cut someone who really does not rehearse their answers. And again, he didn't say anything racist. He didn't say anything sexist. He just said, I don't like the way, essentially you know at, at one point in his life canadian baseball didn't give him a fair shake and that was what was on his mind when he answered the question um okay so you didn't have a very good answer to that question that doesn't mean your reputation should be ruined forever uh and that's no. the way some people take it and i think that's the really sad part is that like look you you want the real deal jo joey Votto. unfortunately he's yes he's going to occasionally put his foot in his mouth you forgave don cherry way too many times for all those things and they all were right, let's not take this to don cherry <laughs> no but but the, uh, he's nowhere on that level right the stuff no. don, don cherry says is is informed by ignorance whereas joey Votto was informed by i think his feelings i think for whatever reason he he was just remembering something that did not go well when, when Canadian baseball, he was supposed to support him or when he felt a particular time not supported. And that's what he was reacting to. And then he stepped back and thought about it a little more and he thought, well, yeah, that's not the only, that shouldn't be the only thing I'm reacting to. Yeah. And, and this is sort of the, what you started that with and you went off to explain what he said, but like this idea of the way people reacted to it, I didn't feel... There was a lot of people saying he should apologize. He should apologize. No, the only person who should decide if he needs to apologize is Joey Votto. If he said, if he felt like he said something that didn't con convey what he actually meant, because as you said, he's very genuine and he speaks off the cuff. And I think this time that's what happened. It's like, this isn't what I think. And I want to apologize. And I think there's a big difference between those two things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But well, genuinely apologizing and then saying I'm the difference between, between saying I'm sorry and I'm sorry you were offended is huge. And I think what he was saying in his apology, which you can also read, was I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and you know what? What he said originally, like the context of the original thing, I'm sure that he's being totally honest that, you know, the uh, you know, James Paxson throwing a no hitter against Toronto that doesn't mean anything to him. You know, because he he just he doesn't identify with baseball Canada. That's because, as he mentioned, they didn't do anything for him as a youth. He cares about Canadian baseball, but not baseball Canada. And I think that's a distinction that needs to be made. Absolutely. All right, this has been a long podcast because we spent I I blame it on all that time we spent salivating over Vlad Jr. Um, so I will give you an opportunity for a quick final thought. Okay, so. You know, we had our little do-over with Base Rail Central, and we rip on Buck and Tabby a lot. It could be worse. <laughs> Harold Reynolds, this could have been a do-over, but I saved it. Harold Reynolds said that Rudin Odor should be a 320 hitter because he is small like Jose Altuve, and because he comes from a ha family of hitting instructors. Sure, Harold, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse. At least Buck and Pat don't say things like that. Uh, pretty random. Uh, remember, uh, Harold doesn't believe that Canadians know how to catch baseballs because we spent too much time 
ice skating or something. So uh, right up his alley, that last comment. Absolutely. So we come to the end of Artificial Turf Wars episode number 101, which is to say uh, you were Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I was Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and our guest was Ben Badler of Baseball America at Ben Badler, who we thank very much for joining us, and we'll talk at you next week.